Hi, and welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast, where we discuss how millions of people solve their addictions and move on with their lives. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and I wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family. We've been researching addiction and helping people move past it for more than 30 years. In today's podcast, Mark and I will be discussing, you know, that point at which you... Uh, you're struggling because you you feel like you have these two people inside of you that are fighting one another and you still really like getting drunk, but you don't want to continue the lifestyle you've been doing. We're going to talk about that today. We're very happy to offer various ways you can learn the Freedom Model. You can get a free digital copy of our books at thefreedommodel.org. Enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. We also have a low-cost online video course called the Freedom Model Online Program. And there are two ways you can work one-on-one with a certified Freedom Model instructor. That's Freedom Model Private Instruction via video conference. Or you can come into our retreat and spend three to four weeks with us. You can get information about all of these options at thefreedommodel.org. Uh, I, was, I, I thought about this topic this morning. Um, we got a, a question in our group, which is a really great question. And, and it's some, you know, a lot of people get to a point where they don't want to continue because they, the lifestyle because they don't like the high costs anymore. Um, and maybe it's not as exciting as it used to be. You go through a phase where it's kind of, it's a little bit boring, it's disappointing, but you're still going there and you feel like there's this, you know, I call it the angel and devil, but I don't even like those terminologies because it makes it sound like there's a evil and good. And it's not really, you know, because it's framed that way in our culture, we feel like there's this battle within us. Yeah. So, so part of what, what drives this whole narrative is the idea that, um, there's a weakness involved in your character and, and in, in your ability to stop yourself from getting high and drunk and another part that creeps into this. So it's a matter of weakness. It's a matter of disease it's a matter of loss of control and all three of those things are objectively false things they're not true so what happens is you create a battle within yourself that seems as if there is one entity that you don't have control over and that is craving right I'm gonna crave and I'm just gonna go in that direction even though I don't want to and there's this terrible terrible battle within yourself well because we 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 create that narrative that it is a battle that you are weak and also the weird part when you really get down to it is that there's something else inside you that's running the show right 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 that you have this inability to make quote-unquote good decisions yeah so if that were true we have to go down a logic train here if that were true that means that there has to be something else in control you can't you can't have a battle by yourself. Right. Right? If there's just one person in a room standing around with a sword, there's no battle, right? It, it requires that there's an enemy that comes in the room with another sword, and then you battle them, right? So if, if there is this battle within yourself, and it is framed as some sort of weakness, that means that there's something that's stronger than you. There's something else that's stronger than you. So this gets into a weird territory, a weird folklore that a drug has power. 
So what, what's happening is as we go down the logic train of this idea of a battle within ourselves, we have to, we have to backstep and look at where did this come from? Where did the idea that there is a separate entity within your own mind or that there are two minds, and, and me and Steve called it the dual mind, right? That you're battling back and forth and that one mind you don't have control over, it takes control and then you're that then you have a loss of control, right? And you drink and drug with without any control. So so that idea is it, when you start to talk about it logically like that becomes very strange and and odd because does a drug have that kind of power? Does it? You know, does it does it take over your will, you know? And also, but even weirder is, let's get rid of the drug. The thoughts of drugs within your mind. Is the thought of a drug a different mind that overtakes yours and there's a battle? So it's not a battle. It's deliberating. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's I mean, we don't frame this with any other thing, you know? I mean, I was when Mark was talking, I was just imagining that you're like a puppet. And you have this this bad person inside of you that's kind of like making you do things. Yes, you know, like like a puppet master. And but who who is the puppet master? Yeah, who is that? <laughs> who is that? That's is so. It, is it alcohol? Right. Is it is it some pharmacologically driven change in your hydra- hijacked brain? Here's the problem with that: a brain doesn't think. Your mind thinks. Your brain is a slave to the mind. So even that's nonsense. So so it all comes down to what you believe is happening within the confines of your own mind. Yeah. Is there an angel and a devil in there? Is there, if it is the devil trying to push you into the, then that, now we're talking about a separate entity than your own mind within your mind. Um, we call that schizophrenia. I don't think you're all schizophrenic. I don't. I don't, I don't believe that even for a moment. And you shouldn't either. So, so it really comes down to um, a t- what you're what you're actually dealing with is a tough choice. Now, go ahead. I was just going to say, and you're dealing with a tough choice in a culture that is filled with folklore and misinformation. So it it feels. I don't want anybody to feel badly if they're struggling because I remember being there. It feels incredibly real, even in the last thirty plus years that I haven't been a heavy substance user, um, you know, in different areas of my life, I've, I've struggled with different decisions. And, and when you don't frame it in such a way that there's something controlling you, it becomes a lot easier to make a decision. But that's why when we talk about reading through the freedom model, for for some people, they read the book and they get it and they're like, oh my God. And and quite frankly, those are probably the people that walked into their first AA meeting and went, this is crazy, right? right? We weren't those people. No, we were, we were incredibly confused. Incredibly. It felt like I can remember the first several months that I quit drinking. And I quit drinking on my own before I went to a meeting. But then once I was in AA for a period of time, it did feel like a struggle between you know, competing preferences. Yeah, you started to uh, rewrite your own, your own ideas and, and and it became a battle because somebody taught that to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a crazy thing. It's it's unbelievably um, 
believable yes. you know, when you're when you're vulnerable and the other thing that plays into all of this narrative is the constant barrage yeah. of misinformation that comes from commercials movies your health class at school and just documentaries and just the general and your friends and family yeah, that's right that that a drug has a power in in itself that renders you incapable of choosing and with that idea then you have a tough choice to make right within your mind and and all of a sudden it feels really hopelessly like i'm doomed i i can't choose for myself i can't even trust my own mind and uh and i understand that because i you know i've been i've had two suicide attempts so i understand what it's like to feel completely compelled and hopeless and and i fell into that and I, you know what's interesting i i can remember when i was I was probably 17 and me and my brother got in the truck and we went out to uh, Hampton Beach and we drove all the way out to the beach, never saw the beach, just looked for drugs on the side streets, couldn't find any and drove home. It was like, <laughs> it was, and on the way home, we both looked at each other and said, oh my God, we're drug addicts and alcoholics. That's what these people do. And that was from years and years and years of being told that that was inevitable. Yep. And then you have sort of this confirmation, confirmation bias. You start to believe based on this one event, this one night, and then it, then from that moment, I was really in trouble, really in trouble, because I sank into this idea that drugs have this power to make me drive, you know, four hours this way, search for it in a futile attempt, and then drive back, and then get high at home. I mean, it was just a pathetic thing. But, but now I'm framing those activities, not as me just wanting to go get high and have some fun right. at Hampton Beach. It was... It was, I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict, and there's something wrong with me. And that's where we get into the folklore that drives serious problems. So so if you, when we talk to people and, and they say, you know, I, I, I'm reading the Freedom Model and I'm still struggling, it's okay, you know, but the important thing is to the way that you think about it in your own mind, because your mind is so incredibly powerful. It shapes your reality. It shapes how you, the, your beliefs and your thoughts shape how you experience things. And so if you're imagining that I have these two entities inside me, I have this good person, this good girl who wants to do everything right. And then I have this, this naughty girl who wants to get high all the time and get drunk and, and they're doing a battle. And that's the way, I mean, when, you know, the sad cases of when people overdose and they're like, they lost their battle. Oh, I, I, it drives it, me crazy it, when they say that. It breaks my heart because I'm yeah. like, who were they battling? They were battling within themselves. Because and, somebody taught them to do that. Exactly. Because they, they taught them it's hard and it's awful. And, and, and you're, oh, yeah, you're always gonna, you're always gonna have that battle. That's right. And, and because they didn't frame it as a choice, as a tough choice, or maybe as a, you know, something that they had to work through, um, logically, all of that was never put on the table for them. So it became a battle. Yeah. And, and here's the problem with that. Anytime you try to solve a problem with the wrong information, you're going to hurt yourself. In the yeah. long run, the misinformation will never provide you a way to solve the problem. So you have this futile, frustrating, horribly dependent on recovery lifestyle, and you never feel satisfied. So the battle becomes confirmed. You start to believe this shit. And I did too. 
I fell right into it and I felt like I couldn't trust myself. It was maddening. I, I would sit and think, am I crazy? Is something real? I guess I am an alcoholic. There is something drastically wrong with right. me. You know? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if there's anything much more sad than the people that I've known that, uh, you know, they, they go to meetings, they go to, they go to treatment, they go to the meetings, they do everything they're supposed to do and their, their lives are getting good and they're, they seem really happy and really successful. And maybe they get, maybe they get 10 years and, and then, you know, all of a sudden you don't see them. Right. And so this whole time when they could have been figuring out, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot happier with, without alcohol use. Oh, I'm a lot happier without my drug use. They could have been figuring out maybe my preference has changed. And instead, because in their mind, they've been framing it. And even if they had periods where they didn't feel like it was a battle, that battle's always in the back of their mind because yeah. they believe that it's there. And so, so you know, on one particular day, maybe 10 years into them being clean and sober, which I hate those terminology, but that's what they call it, um, something happens and all of a sudden they're like, boy, it'd be great to get drunk or high right now. Yeah. You yeah. know, and then, and then they disappear and everybody's like, oh, look at that relapse. It's part of... It's part of the recovery process. No, no, it isn't. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And and th- then they, they feel like total failures. They discount the entire time that they've, the experiences they've had, because in their mind, it's framed as, I, you know, I spent 10 years by the grace of God. I didn't, I didn't pick up a drink or a drug instead of thinking I spent 10 years building my life and it's a pretty great life. And you know what? I had a night of getting drunk or high and it's not a big deal. Um, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't like it that much anymore, but no, they don't do that. They don't do that. They, once they have one drink, they're like, I relapsed. And, and a lot of times it's, it's, they dive deep into a binge at that point. Yeah. So she mentioned something about being distracted. Michelle just said being distracted from direct preference change. So let me define what direct preference change is. So your your drinking and drugging is based on your preference, the perceived benefits you see in that habit. And and within the confines of your miraculous mind, you have free will and a positive drive. So you can easily, once you understand this, you can easily make a direct preference change. Am I going to be happier? Do I prefer not getting drunk or moderating over heavy use? And that's a direct one-to-one problem-solving agency that we have within our minds. So we can make that decision. We can, we can do that, right? If you, especially if you don't frame it as a battle. It's just an analysis like you would make with any other, buying a car, for instance, or, yep. or getting a divorce, which is a tough one, right? Or staying married or, or whatever it might be that there are big decisions and little decisions. You know, these are all based on the, the perceived benefits we see in the options. So that's a direct preference change because it's direct. It attacks the problem directly. It's factual. And it's within the confines of a single person's autonomous mind. Now, if you're distracted by a myth that there are two entities, in other words, battling themselves within your mind, and that it's hard, and that it has to be difficult, and that you're weak, all of that is factually incorrect. So suddenly you have this massive set of rules that you've placed yourself in. Maybe treatment has impregnated your mind with these ideas. 
and maybe society as well. Um, and all of a sudden, you're in this endless negative feedback loop where you keep falling down, getting back up. You're weary, tired, devastated by the mistakes you've made because nobody told you hmm. that the answer was you right. making a decision based on the perceived benefits and seeing if those perceived benefits were real or not and then making decisions directly on that issue. So don't get lost in recovery processes. You have to have addiction proof for your life. You need meetings. You need all this external crap because there's no entity that you're battling. You're just choosing. So by, by believing in this entity, that you're, this addiction that you're battling, you literally are making up a boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by having this idea that, you know, one drink – one drink is equal to 10 or one one night of doing cocaine is equal to a binge you know because it, it's it's all or nothing it's this all or nothing thing because my you know my addict brain won out this time right. you know by when you frame it that way well it kind it absolves certain personal responsibility to have to make a choice um but it also you you live out what you believe so so the reason that I wanted to cover this today is because I see too many people, you know, as they're leaving AA and then they're going back and they're leaving and they're going back and they're confused about, did AA actually work for me? Because I, I felt like I was doing better when I was there. Well, you were distracted. Right. You were in that distraction mode with this uh, and you still believe in the boogeyman of addiction. Yeah, and, and and you made some friends. Look at everybody I met. Most of the people I met in AA were super nice people. They didn't want to harm me. I mean, you know, whenever you go to a support group, everybody is there for one reason, and that's to help themselves. Um, so you're going to get, you know, a lot of people are struggling, and they all believe in this boogeyman. And, and so the best you're going to get maybe is some nice acquaintances for the most part. Now, some of my closest friends in the world, I met there, you know? So, so there are good people. I, I never want to bash the people of AA. Um, they have misinformation. And, but the reason we tell people that it's not helpful to go there is because it, it is set up to undermine your personal, personal autonomy and make you believe you need support, make you believe that you're fighting this boogeyman. That's right. The, the very first step is that you're powerless over alcohol, and then they repeat at, in the preamble and, and how it works at the beginning of every meeting that alcohol is cunning, baffling, and powerful. They personify it. So now they have framed it as a, as a powerful entity that you have to fight. And, and that's, that's objectively a lie. It's not even – there's no – basis of fact in it at all it's 100% untrue it is a it is mythology it is religious mythology so so you don't have to you can just say wait a minute that's bullshit alcohol doesn't crawl around the weeds and it's not attacking me there it's not there's no disease doing push-ups in the parking lot none of that is true and I'm not making light of this I'm telling you that that distraction from making a direct internal preference change like you do with every single decision of your life now some decisions, when you value the, the, the object of the decision, are hard to make. Yeah. You know, letting go of an old habit, like an old relationship, for example, can be really, really hard. And uh, this is a relationship that you've had, 
And have you ever had a relationship that you thought was really great? And then after you finally broke up and it was wicked painful, you looked back and you were like, holy shit, I can't believe that I stuck it out. There was nothing there. There was no good part of that relationship anymore for the last seven years, right? And then you're so happy you finally took the steps to get rid of that problem. And, and as soon as you did, it illuminated just how bad the relationship was. What you'll find if you have a heavy substance use problem is that when you finally internally make the decision to do better for yourself and, and you, get, you realize that the benefits weren't really there, trust me, when you get out about six months from that, you'll be like, holy shit, was that a, a useless thing that I was doing. I, was, I literally believed that this, this substance was taking care of my mental health. It was taking my stress away. It was to taking my traumas away. And it didn't do any of that. My God, now I can address those things easily because I got my head screwed on straight and I'm not high all the time. And my life is great. I can't believe I believed all that stuff. So, so you're gonna, sometimes it just takes courage uh, to make a direct preference change and move forward. That he makes such a great point because when you're, I always look at it like this, like this river, right? And when you're on the one side of it, it looks, the other side of the river doesn't look all, it looks scary and awful and, and making the change looks like there's, you know, piranha and alligators and and all bad things in this river. So it's going to be terribly hard to make this change, whether it's leaving a a long-term relationship or whether it's changing your, your substance use habit, right? It's something that's been a part of you for a period of time. And, um, but once you get on the other side of it and you look back, you're like, Hey, that wasn't so bad. It wasn't as hard as I made it out to be. Um, when you address it properly and and be, holy crap, I can't believe that I, I hung on to that, you know, security blanket for so long, um, whether it's a person or a substance or whatever, whatever behavior it is that you were holding on to that was that was that felt like you needed it yeah. to survive. And um, and so the reason this is important is because there's no battle. There's no battle. It feels like it. We understand that. We've been there. Um, but it's just you figuring out what you really want on a much smaller scale. I go through this every time I need a new cell phone. <laughs> it's a part of me. It's it's attached to me, right? I, I have my cell phone on me every day. If you forget your phone, it's like, oh my God, I can't live without my phone. Um, and I will go four or five years with the same cell phone because I don't want something new. And then every time I get a new one, I'm like, oh, this one's cool. Yeah. It takes a little while, but I'm like, okay, I can get used to it. It's it's no different than that. So it's important that, that you understand um, that the only way to make a direct preference change is to look at the benefits of each option, right? right. And, and figure out, am I still getting the benefits I was getting that I thought I was getting, maybe I was never getting them at all. You know, maybe, you know, getting drunk and high was a lot of fun 10 years ago and it hasn't been fun for a long time. Um, and it's just become something that's comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. I I think we've covered this good because if we dive deeper, we're going to get into other topics, which we do. (laughs) Um, so I, I just, if you, if you, there, there's so much about this covered in in the book itself. So get the audio book. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions about this and you want to be taught by me and Michelle, go to online 
www.thefreedommodel.org and sign up for um, both Freedom Model International Seminars, which will break down AA for you. That one is free. And then if you want to know, uh, have me and Michelle teach you the, the Freedom Model in its entirety, uh, you, can, you can sign up for Freedom Model Online Program. And that's, that's 65 lessons where Michelle and I literally teach it to you in, in pre-recorded videos and presentations. So there's, there's a tremendous amount of content there. And in that program, you also receive the audio book, a workbook, the binge construct, life movements. And uh, we lowered the cost tremendously to make it affordable to anybody with yeah. payment plans as well. Yep, yep. I want to announce that. I was going to announce that um, the the cost for the the cost now for the online program is four hundred and fifty dollars in a one time payment, or you can do five months of a hundred dollars a month uh, and a payment plan. And um, so you get a little bit of a discount if you pay it all up front. So uh, we we changed that. We had such a tremendous response, you know, to people getting it um, uh, with our holiday discounts that, that we wanted to make it make it permanent. Um, so thank you all so much for listening today. We hope you found our show informative and entertaining. If you or someone you love is struggling with a substance use problem or another habitual behavior problem and you'd like to talk to someone, you can call 1-888-424-2626. You'll get Danny Wyke if if he doesn't answer, he's on the phone with someone else. Please, please leave a voicemail. He will get right back to you. To get detailed information about all of our products and services, including our books, our retreat, our private instruction via video conference, and our online program, you can go to thefreedommodel.org. To get digital copies of the Freedom Model for Addictions and the Freedom Model for the Family, go to thefreedommodel.org and enter coupon code FREEDOM. 100 at checkout and don't forget the audiobook is available uh, for it's it's very affordable um, either on uh, thefreedommodel.org or you can get it through you know Amazon Audible um, or any of the online services follow us on social media including Facebook Instagram Twitter LinkedIn and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel you can join our private Facebook group the Freedom Model group where we discuss the Freedom Model and how people can completely move past addiction and recovery and you can join us every other Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, where we answer questions from our readers, students, and Facebook group members live on the Freedom Model Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. Contact us if you have questions or you'd like some more information. You can email us at info at thefreedommodel.org. You can private message us through Facebook and Instagram or call Danny at 888-424-2626. 888-424-2626. From everyone here at the Freedom Model and the St. Jude Retreat, we wish you well until next time.